clean cut, but morally corrupt. It's Forwards Backwards podcast. This week, we discuss the PGA Championship, particularly between 5.30 and 7.30 uh, Central Time on Saturday night. Brown liquors that are not from the Cognac region of France. And Union, Union Omaha, greatest team ever or best team of all time. As always, I'm by, joined by the Athos and Porthos to my Aramis, Kyle Carr, the hardest working man in Madison podcasting, and Dan Fallon, not the hardest working man in my, Madison podcasting. <laughs> Kyle, Dan, bigger Manchester surprise that United got a PK in their UEFA Europa League match today, or that mixed discarude is still on Man City's books. <laughs> when I heard about that, that was actually shocking to me, but it's, it's no surprise Manchester United got a penalty because it can't be a Manchester United match without one. Uh, I think 22 on the year for Manchester United. 22. I mean, it was evened out by the fact that they apparently missed about 14 of them before Bruno Fernandes arrived, but uh, I mean, 22. Dan, I know the mix discarude news sort of send your mind reeling what do you what do you want to say about about that well i mean first of all my phone broke i literally sent a text saying to you i cannot believe that this is true and then my phone died immediately um i i was just first of all i didn't know he still played <laughs> to be to be honest i mean the guy i haven't thought about him much at all and then to be reminded that he's technically a manchester city player um was just just flabbergasted and I looked today to, to figure out like where he's at. And the article said, I think at least three times, they just kept making the point. He will never play for his parent club. <laughs> <laughs> they just wanted to make sure that that was very, very clear. Um, so anyone who doesn't think that Man City is skirting financial fair play laws, I, I present to you mixed disgruntled former NYCFC player transferred to Man- Manchester City never to play for the club and sent out on loans to, uh, I believe he played in Korea. He's the first American uh, to score a goal in the Korean uh, top flight. Um, so there's another, uh, um, another what do you call it, quiz show stat for you there on Mix Discarude. Mix Discarude, now he got his name Mix because he, he actually is like a house music DJ. Is that correct? So I'm thinking like Ibiza would be the ideal loan for Mix. Um, I don't know if that's how he got his name. I think one of another podcast suggested that we should be doing some fact checking. Uh, not us specifically, but that we should fact check before a podcast. He, his mother named him that. I read a lot about Mix Discord today because um, he would run around the house a lot and she called him the Mix Master. There you go. There you go. Um, also, we, despite being called out on that, um, you know, podcasts need to fact, fact check. We're never going to fact check. And, and one of the things, and one of the things that I want to bring up is with Kyle appearing on the podcast, like he knows stuff, Dan. And like, all of a sudden I had to start learning things. Like I discovered Tormenta and Triumph are actually two different teams because based on like all the branding and all of the stuff going on there, I just assumed it was like when you like when you live in New York, everybody has the joke like there are three of the same type of restaurant on a single block, and you just kind of assume like there's the three different fi- fried food restaurants, and you're like they just share one kitchen in the middle of the block, 
or like the laundromats, you know, there are like three on a single block and it's like, you know, they just dump that down a hole and it goes into the basement of one of them. That's kind of what I assumed was happening with Triumph and Tormenta. Like it was a ghost kitchen somewhere that was producing these, these two teams because they have the most like boring branding, Tormenta, Triumph, like what do those things even mean? Do those have any connection to those communities? No. Well, if you haven't watched the Greenville Triumph launch hype video, I highly recommend it. Uh, it is a bizarre mixture of uh, wartime tropes, um, local history, soccer, Martin Luther King, FDR. I mean, it, it, it covers a lot of bases, covers a lot of bases on trying to explain to us what, what Triumph means. I was going to say, with working from home, it just allows me to watch every single soccer match on the face of the planet. So that's why I know so much and know so little at the same time. Uh, well, and then, and then I learned a player's name from an opposing team, Akwe, and we learn Akwe isn't even going to play. He gets in classic. So, the, you know, one of the things that I want to stress about this podcast that's really important to me is that we make clear in all situations who the truly aggrieved party is. And in this case, you could make the case that it was maybe Akwe because he, he committed this foul and it was clearly a red cardable offense and they caught it, uh, but they didn't do anything about it for two weeks. So you could make the case that maybe he was the aggrieved party there. You could make the case that, you know, Richmond kickers fans are the aggrieved party. You can make the case that the sport in general is the aggrieved party because, you know, going into this match, uh, I learned a lot about him. Ghanaian, uh, started playing for inter allies in Ghana, uh, played for Red Bull Two. really a talented center back, watched some clips. Like I was getting excited to watch him. And so that's why I'm going to make the case. Truly the aggrieved party in all of this is me. And I, I had built up all of this anticipation, done all this research about him. And then he doesn't even play. So truly the aggrieved party in all of this, uh, is me. Uh, so, we are also joined, by the way, I want to get into this here, by <laughs> Cowboy Neil at the wheel, Hovati. Uh, Cowboy Neil, how's the Poshmark page coming? Oh, I got a couple uh, returns on my sales recently in the bank account, so that's always nice. And just a note, you just got to ask if you want to know if anyone's suspended. It's pretty, pretty simple. Well, they didn't announce the suspension, though, until like Thursday before the game. If you want to know some inside information, you should just come to the assistant coach. So you, when did you know? I mean, I'm not going to say that. We're on the record right now. <laughs> also, why would we assume players are suspended when things happened like two weeks ago? I mean, if you're like Kyle and you say you watched every game and you see someone headbutt someone during a game, you've got to say there's going to be a suspension coming down the road. Sometimes you miss a few details in between. Flying headbutt. That's, I, I don't that know if, Neil, I don't know if you saw that he had his other co-host there, Sterling, uh, and, you know, that may be occasionally distracts him from moments. like Probably. That. That's a fair point. Very fair. Yeah, also, you, you, also, you don't have the, uh, the pleasure of watching the matches on ESPN+. Plus. So um, on, for Saturday evening, for example, I don't think we ever actually saw where any forward Madison corner kick landed because they would zoom in on the guy taking it. And by the time the camera got back to the middle of the field, the ball was already being cleared up the field. Now, we can also talk about our corner kicks, which were – did not seem to be the most uh, effective use of, of some attacking set pieces. But uh, 
yeah, the camera work with the SPM Plus leaves a little bit to be desired. So sometimes headbutts are are missed by the the watching public. And and frequently at, at points the ball isn't even in the camera frame. Um, you know, like guys are building out of the back, and you know the the cameras like cued in. I mean, we haven't gotten to the point where it's European camera operators where you know as soon as there's a pretty girl somewhere in the crowd, the pervy European ca- camera operators are zooming in on her and missing any of the action. We haven't gotten to that point yet. That's missed. A lot of stuff. Gets <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Uh, speaking of things that got missed, um, Kyle, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on today, even though you know Dan has decided he's returned, um, he, he did just as much work as he ever does, is because apparently Saturday night, um, we don't have in place emergency pod protocol. And you said on the Twitter machine where people can find you at, at, how can they find you on the Twitter machine, Kyle? They can find me at Kyle Koche. Uh, and because I like to explain the joke, uh, Kyle Carr, that of course is Spanish Koche for Carr. Um, apparently you came home and you said you went full Arsenal fan TV. Yeah, I walked through the door. I was asked, how was the match? And I said... I hate sports. Sports are dumb. Sports should be canceled. This is ridiculous. Pretty much went on a nice little tangent, took the dog out, came back in, went on another tangent, and decided to tweet through the pain as well. So it was not, it was not great. I was not a happy person Saturday night, only to make things worse when the Milwaukee Bucks lost as well, in which I said I enjoyed the time when there wasn't sports and the sports were not a thing because things were a lot easier for me to deal with. And I am a sore loser. I mean, my, my question is, first of all, at any point during this rant, did you switch over to a North London accent? Cause that would have been awesome. I don't know if I did. I would have to ask to confirm that. And then Dan, what should we do in these situations? We need to have some sort of emergency pod signal, uh, some sort of protocol where, you know, Kyle just needed someplace to come and vent. And I think Emma was, probably not the audience that he he wanted um she probably didn't want to be the audience uh in the brief, she did not she did not brief conversation so how are we going to handle this in the future going forward Dan? i'm not sure but you guys should be aware that my contract only allows me to do one podcast a week so um if there's an emergency podcast i will not be appearing on monday that is way too much work for me to do in one week is there some sort of union arrangement is there a podcaster's union yep yep Kyle is obviously not in it because he does about nine podcasts a week. Um, but uh, I have a strict one podcast per week, no matter emergency, non-emergency, except if it's Peter Will. Then I guess I'll do a second podcast. Yeah, you've already been been trumped. But that's a separate <laughs> podcast. That's a separate contract. You only have the contract here. so um, That's true. We, we do have Neil on an exclusive here. Um, and uh, really, really excited to have that. By the way, my favorite detail is still that we learned from the Lansing Ignite match last year. And I can't believe it took us this long to reveal that, that somebody dropped a deuce in the, in the locker room before, before the Lansing match last year. That is at Lansing. That is still, you know, now, it, now uh, JC wiping his brow on the corner flag really takes on a, a, a separate meaning as far as I'm concerned. So we've tried, uh, one of my goals was to just procrastinate talking about the match for as long as possible. 
Um, I will say in our pre pre pod conversation, Neil seemed a little bit uh, uh, brighter and and better about this. Um, but uh, you know, the three kind of key points I had for this match was uh, if if the adjective of the week last week was turgid, uh, I would say this week it would be anemic. It felt very anemic. Our performance. Does anyone care to disagree? Well, now, staring, now that I'm staring at Neil, I don't want to. I don't want to pile on the poor guy. Um, I will say that it was better than last week. I will definitely say that. Um, and it's one of those games where, like, if you look at the team stats, which I, I actually do have up in front of me. Um, it doesn't tell as, as bleak a story as maybe I felt in the moment. I still think we, we struggled to create a lot of clear cut chances. I mean, Jamal's um, chance uh, with the ball over the top, uh, Kira Fitzgerald made a great save. I mean, basically with his shin guard, but you know, I think we're still not giving up a lot of opportunities. We haven't really given up a lot of opportunities in any of the games, but it's generally been mistakes at the back that have allowed goals. Um, and we're really struggling to create a lot of clear cut chances. I, and I, my, and I think we talked a little bit about this before on the pod. I mean, offensively, we got a lot of production. I feel like out of the back four outside backs last year, and Giro really seems to be the only one who's performing at kind of a high level. Um, Pato particularly being a little bit worrying that he hasn't been more involved. Um, and, um, some struggles, I think, from our center backs playing the ball. Um, anything kind of longer than just getting it off to the wings or getting it into the midfield. Longer balls have been have been trouble for us. I think we've turned the ball over a lot there. Kyle, any thoughts uh, on anemic? Yeah, I thought the words I had said was inefficiently underachieving just because – it seems you can kind of see what the plan is. And Dan mentioned with the fullbacks trying to go forward. And I think with moving down to the midfield, though, it made things better. Yes, it was better than last week. There were good chances. And I think not only was Jamel's uh, one-on-one with the cure, but he had a moment. It was off of the corner where they were counterattacking. He got the ball. He tried controlling it, flicking it on to Woj, and he just couldn't get the pass in. But at least the idea was there. So those are some of the things. It's like with the talent that's there, obviously it's still trying to get into, I don't want to say mid-season form, it's still trying to you know have everything click. But yeah, I think I just went with inefficiently underachieving just because you, with the players that are there, obviously people would expect more. But yeah, it was not as doom and gloom as I initially had thought. I think most of that was heavy-fueled, disappointment on my end, but I, I do think in terms of trying to play through the middle seem to be more successful than trying to launch the ball forward. So that's what I have noticed. Neil, you've been a little bit more upbeat than, than we have, uh, you know, one point from three matches. So, you know, I know we're, we're, you know, talking about the Hlavati out hashtag soon. Um, but, um, <laughs> What, 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 how would you describe the performance? I mean, uh, first off, both good points from, from Dan and Kyle. Um, I mean, 
as fans, I think you should expect a win every week. And if that's you're not expecting that, then you're probably not a real fan. I mean, you hope for a win. We hope for a win. Um, so to say we're at the moment underachieving is, yeah. I mean, we all hope we're doing better. Um, but from from game two to game three, we definitely improved. Um, and we're not providing enough clear-cut chances. That's absolutely accurate. But what we can say we built on from last game is, we're finally now getting into areas where we can actually attempt to get into clear cut chances, whereas our buildups are actually getting into more dangerous areas. So in, in that component of the game, we felt that we did a lot better, but we, we lacked the, the final cutting edge, the final pass. Um, Jamel had a clear cut chance. And like Kyle said, in the other one, Jamel's clear in. And what you maybe can't see is that Scotty's Thompson hand is hanging by his side and is a questionable red card handball in that moment of the game too. So, we have one there. We we have some follow up JC where they can probably take two yellow cards there in the game where that where that changes things. Um, there's a number of components, but at the end of the day, we we give up a a goal that can be avoided nine minutes in, and it kind of puts us in a hole early. And like Dan said, we haven't really given up a lot of dangerous chances this year, so we're not too mad about what we do defensively. But we know that we need to do more to get results. I mean, I might, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I mean, they hit the post, but I don't, I think, um, had two shots on goal. Yeah. I was going to say there was the goal and one save and then they hit the post. And last week it was kind of the same. I mean, um, against Greenville, it was neither team really did it, which is kind of the, the playbook for forward Madison versus Greenville. Although now this is right for one nils in the Richmond matches. I think all the four of the matches have, have ended one nil. And Keith, you you actually had pointed out on Saturday night that uh, Neil, maybe you know you can touch on this too. That we haven't really scored a lot of goals, period, over the last two seasons or season and a half or whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, that just seems to be you know matches where we give up a goal early and teams can sit in and defend end up being problem games for us because we don't always have the ability to go break teams down. When we get a first goal we're strong enough defensively usually to hold off, hold that lead. But I think we've struggled in matches where we've had to kind of, you know, put, 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 push the, push the play, I guess I would say. And that's my, my second sort of point was, I think we're a little bereft of ideas going forward. And then the statistics since uh, the beginning of last year, we've scored 34 goals in, in 32 games. Um, When we're in a situation where we can drop and maybe attack on the counter, we can get goals, um, but that means the game is more stretched. When we have to take the game to the other team, I'm not sure I, I feel like we, we have that um, in a couple of places too. And one of them, Dan, you mentioned earlier, uh, and, and Neil, you can comment on this. I'm a, a little disappointed in our set piece output so far this year. Um, you know, we, I don't think have been as effective with set pieces as I thought we would have been coming in, especially knowing the short season, the training difficulties that I thought, you know, okay, we play tight and we look to get strong chances on, on set pieces. And I, I don't think we've seen that quite yet, Dan and Kyle and Neil, any, any thoughts on, on those sorts of, of things? I mean, Neil, you're, you're pointing to things looking better going forward that, you know, now we're getting the ball into the places where the, the chances can start to come. Um, 
it seems like you have ideas to score, but we, we have not scored a lot of goals. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'd say through last year, um, without kind of having a, a real nine all the time, um, our MO was we weren't always going to score a lot and we're a solid defensive team. So we didn't need to. And if you could see the majority of our results are we either lose one zero or we win one zero. And then every now and again, we pop off with four goals. So would we like to score more? Yeah, but we're confident that we can one we can win one nil. Obviously, it makes it difficult when you give up a goal um, so early in a game. Um, but but set piece wise, um, haven't been great to start the year. Um, it's stuff we work on every week. And going into this game, we tried a, a few different things. Obviously, we got Giro on the ball, um, have some in swingers from that side, and he plays a few good balls in and into some spots and some dangerous areas. And sometimes it's just down to the guys in the middle to sort their runs out and, and battle and get after it. Um, for me, the bigger thing is to always have good service. And as long as we have good service, eventually it'll click. Um, but we do um, spend a little more time on defensive set pieces and offensive because they can hurt you more than they can help you in most situations. Kyle, any other uh, that you've seen? Uh, and Dan, I know this is a chance for you to bring up your favorite forward Madison player from last year uh, who, who, who was an attacking center midfielder. Yeah, I would say defensively, even with last year, yeah, Neil, you're right, with putting the team in position, at the very least you can get a draw every week um, with the defensive performances that they've done. You know, a few mistakes here or there, and sometimes that leads to a goal. But if you're only – it's three matches and they've allowed three goals and two of them are against North Texas – that's overall like a good barometer to at least tell yourself this should at least get you a point. If you can get one goal, you can run away with it. And I think the set piece delivery was much better in this game. I know Jira had a few, JC Banks had a few from a free kick position. And, uh, you know, it's kind of, I'm wondering, is it just more, I don't know if it's like the other teams are able to read it and just get ahead of it, or if it's just, a 50-50 and sometimes it doesn't fall away and, and we say that but at the same time near the end of the match there was the champ there was that moment where it almost crossed the line so you know that crosses the line that goes in then i don't know if we're talking about you know set piece to like set piece concerns because it's like okay scored a goal off of the set piece so although I mean, that that opportunity came across and and i was actually sort of shocked uh that was actually akira fitzgerald's sort of second drop that chance he had one in the first half too. And, and, you know, every, you talk to the Richmond fans in there, they love Akira Fitzgerald. He's, he's spectacular. He looked a little weak in the air, actually, you know, that drop, you know, there, that's, that was an easy one. He wasn't even challenged. And then same thing in the first half, he had one where, where he's at the far post and he's all by himself and he, and he drops it. And so I'm a little, you know, frustrated that maybe we weren't challenging more in the air on those, on those set pieces, perhaps. Um, but I, I think, you know, yeah. If it, That's a 50-50 ball, all that. Sometimes it bounces your way, sometimes. Yeah, but if that goes in, you're, no, you're absolutely right. We're talking about it at last. Dan, uh, any thoughts on, you know, and, and everybody else goes soft once Neil appears. You know, in the, in the texts, you guys are, you know, it's the end of the universe. Neil appears, and now it's just, you know, sunshine, rainbows, 
you know, walks on the seat. I did bar. say mine was very heavy influence, so we'll cut me some slack there. And I did say inefficiently underachieving in the text as well. Guys, <laughs> listen, I, I played for a long time, and now I'm a coach, and I've been on Twitter all the years, and I see all the shit that was <laughs> talked about me and the teams I was played on. So it's it's nothing new. It's just a part of the business. And as fans, you're absolutely entitled to say whatever you want. Well, I mean, I, I don't think I was pulling any punches. I, I, I you know, I've been underimpressed with the distribution out of the back. I, and I, I think, that, so Keith was teeing me up to make a, to, cause he likes to tease me about my, my, my crush on Jeff and shot. Um, but, you know, we lost Josie, we lost Josie El Nunez. But I think what people forget is we also lost Jeff halfway through last season. If you go back to that little period of time where we, we romped Texas we romped El Paso. Jeff was in the starting lineup for both of those matches. Um, so we lost a creative player. We lost Josiel at the end of the season. So we really don't, it's clear in the midfield, we do not have a player right now who can offer what those two guys could offer last year, breaking through the lines, making the runs between the other team's midfield and the other team's backs, opening up space for Don. I mean, Don, Don looked better this week. Paulo has really been kind of non-existent. I think the last two weeks, he's really struggled to get into the matches. And then the knock-on effect of that is that Woj gets, you know, kind of disconnected and then ends up dropping deeper and deeper. I don't think as much this week. I think last week, Neil, you might be able to speak to that. He, he was coming really deep in the Greenville match. Um, and it's clear he can do that. He's a big unit. He can hold guys off. But I mean, I remember him at one point, like coming back to win a ball, like, you know, 35 yards from our goal and laying it off to somebody. Um, but, you know, that, and it's clear, well, at least it would be clear to me, Daryl and you wanted to switch that up this week, go to the 4 2 three, one, probably to try and get some guys closer in to Woj. Um, you want to talk us through that at all? Yeah, I mean, as far as Woj dropping a little deeper in Greenville, I mean, it's, it's a natural tendency of uh, any striker who's kind of being starved out a little bit or when your team isn't as good in possession as you want them to be in the day, you're just basically like, I need to get a touch on the ball. Um, and we don't blame him for that. Like it, it was a hard night for, it was a frustrating night for a lot of us in Greenville. But um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we, we went with a different look. We wanted to, we wanted to give Alan a chance. Um, he'd been training really well and it was just someone that we knew could, connect the dots. Um, and then we kind of saw it as, as JC can kind of slip beside him and be the guy who kind of plays as an eight and can go higher sometimes and, and help Alan out. And Alan did everything we wanted him to do. Um, he got JC on the ball more. He got Don on the ball more. And that was kind of like you guys have said, that gets the ball to Woj more. That gets us into the attacking half at the very least more. And in that regard, we were, were very happy with uh, his first pro game. Um, was the, the shifting to two, you know, deep lying midfielders also a fact that we've been having trouble, uh, connecting passes out of the back? Um, um it's kind of tactically against kind of what they had been doing in some past games. Um, they kind of shifted around some personnel within their roles from the last two games, but they had typically played with two very, very defi- defensive minded sixes, um, in one ten. And so we said, cool, we'll just switch the numbers on them and play two sixes and see if they step out, which we always had a two on one in the midfield. So in that sense, it worked, but they kind of changed things up, dropping Terzaghi and then dropping Kraft as a result of that. And 
still it still benefited us, I think, on the night having having two defensive midfielders or two guys just a little deeper. You know, you you made the point about Allen. I mean, I just want to say that's that's a lot of responsibility to put on a 17-year-old kid to be yep. I mean, it, it was a 4-2-3-1, but JC had license to get forward. And as that game went on, I remember looking and being like, that that's amazing. This is a 17-year-old kid in his professional debut who's being asked to anchor the midfield. Um, so congratulations to him. I mean, I think that's, that's impressive. Congratulations, Chicago Fire Academy. Congratulations for you guys to get him out there. Um, that's a big night. And it was pretty cool to see uh, a player with that kind of talent. And I said before we got on the call, he doesn't, he doesn't look out of place other than being, he's, he's short. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if there's any getting around that, but, you know, I remember being at Freddie Adu's first game, uh, however, 55 years ago, whenever that was. And when he walked up the field, it was, it was, it was almost shocking to see a kid that size playing against grown men. And, and Alan didn't look out of place. He, he looked, right. he looked strong. He looked strong on the ball. Um, and Monas, uh, same, or, uh, same thing. I, I think he had another couple of good moves, obviously, like you could see exactly what his issue is that one play great little one, two gets loose down the wing and then just kind of gets shoved off the ball because right. he doesn't have the same kind of strength. I think as Alan does. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but really exciting to see both of them. And, and yeah, that leads into, well, I was going to say that leads into my third point, you know, what were the bright spots? If we're looking for bright spots, I think, you know, Rodriguez, Neil, you've really felt has been a, has been a bright spot. You were really impressed. Uh, we were talking a little bit. Uh, Danny had 91% uh, completion. Um, Kyle, Neil, any other, you know, sort of bright spots that you guys saw? I, I would say one of the bright spots was Jamil Cox's play. He was really, really good. And I would say him and Jero, their ability to link up on the left side is something that, I think really allowed for to get into the positions that they did. It seemed like any bit of attacking spark that happened came from those two, if it didn't come from Don in the middle. So it was encouraging to see just because I know the last two weeks we were kind of saying, well, maybe how come he's not going to more play time? How come he, it seems like he's a kind of guy that could provide something, especially in that Greenville game, maybe some little bit of creativity and to see him start and play as well as he did. I would say that was a bright spot with him and Jero on the left. And I think that's something that I, I don't know if that's going to continue, but that's something at the very least you can look and be excited about with how those two have been playing. Neil, any yeah. other bright spots? And I, I'm sure you wanted to say more nice things about Rodriguez in the, in the DCM. Yeah. I mean, uh, Alan, he is a guy that like, like Dan said, he can toss some guys around. We, and we've seen it building in training where he's, he's, he's not afraid to use his body and he can crush some guys. It's, it's very surprising. So that made us more sure of it. And then we just said, Hey, like we're not, we're not told to play these kids by anyone. We've Chicago knows that they have to earn it and they're going to earn it like anyone else. And we went through it like any other player. Alan had a, a great week, a great couple of weeks, and we wanted a different pitcher on the field and he provided it. Um, Coxie stepped in with his first start and, provided a great spark. And like Kyle said, I think him and Jiro linked up very well um, and provided some, a lot of danger down that left side. I think that's something you'll see again for sure. Um, And then 
I think the partnership of, of Josiah and Connor was a bit better on the night. Um, Josiah was winning tons of aerial balls. We moved a bit of the ball a bit better around the back, a bit quicker than last game, which was positive. And we'll get Pato firing soon, like his normal self. Um, and then again, like we kind of talked about in the pre-show, we're, we're not giving up chances. So um, Phil doesn't have an awful lot to do. So, and I think, uh, you know, that's, that is a, you know, pretty good sign. And I think uh, the the one thing that's a little worrying uh, coming out of the back, not to turn myself into that negative Nelly is uh, lack of, of pass completion, which we may, you know, bring up uh, during the course of the, the, the match review, not a lot of highlights to, to kind of cue in on um, though. I will say, uh, you know, the goal in the ninth minute um, was, was kind of the, the, um, from Emiliano Terzaghi, uh, did I get that right? I hope. Um, uh, and Terzaghi, sorry, thank you. Um, T e r z h a g i um, was uh, you know he he cut in. I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was I even close in the spelling? I think that's the American spelling. <laughs> it's uh, the French spelling. Uh, he kind of cut it back. Uh, moved good across. Finish. Good finish. Um, kind of beat beat Tobin on that for the for the finish. Um, you know, uh, Tobin was playing more you know on the right side, and he got dragged across to the left side there. But overall, a, a solid finish. And and you know, any any notes or or observations on that? Good. It's a good finish. He finishes across the grain. The unfortunate part of the play is it kind of comes off our own throw 45 seconds before that deep in our end and they recirculate it. Uh, Antley has a good entry pass to him. And then Connor and Josiah stand up and say that they could have done better on the play. Um, but it's one of those where he's drifting away from goal. And as a defender, you reach to block shots where you think they're going to go. And whenever you shoot between someone's legs, it's, often difficult for a goalkeeper to see it on time and if you ask Bill he'll probably say if it happens again he'll save it but it's just unfortunate that it kind of comes out of nothing and it's just like oh shit we, it happened again and good thing is it happens in the ninth minute and from there on we respond we respond well they don't in the first half have anything dangerous again Though, you know, we, we, we didn't really have much dangerous. Uh, things kind of uh, shifted along for the next 20 minutes. Uh, I really, you know, I don't think forward looked particularly lively, a uh, little, little quiet. But after the hydration break, I think uh, things came alive. The, the Jamil Cox chance we, we talked about in the, in the 31st minute came in. And then, uh, you know, JC had a nice little, little move in the 41st minute. Um, on a service from Paulo where he almost sw- slipped by his defender. He got, got forward there and, you know, could have, could have had a chance. Um, JC's had an interesting year so far. Um, we haven't criticized him much, um, but because he keeps getting kicked a lot. Um, and it, it seems hard for him to get in the flow of the match but we haven't yet seen from him, you know, some of the things that we saw from him last year. I don't know what you guys think about that. Or I was gonna say, I would say what we saw from him last year was he was able to make those last second runs into the box and put himself in the position 
to get shots off. And like the Lansing goal at the end of last year as a prime example, he was able to wait, he was able to wait and then make that run, gets in the box, gets a shot off. And he hasn't really had a chance to do that. Part of that is there hasn't been as much service for it. Part of that is he gets kicked anytime someone is within two feet of him, it seems like. So he hasn't really been able to get into a rhythm just because he just hasn't had those opportunities to really get himself more and more involved. And I think, I don't know if that's something that teams are targeting right away because it seems like early on he always gets one crushing tackle that you can argue could be carded and that maybe it just throws him off. And I wonder if that's intentional because as you saw like throughout the first half, he does get more involved and he has that chance where I think if he just had one more, if he was able to take one more touch, he scores it easily. And I think that's just the thing with JC where it, I think he's getting more and more into it. It's just a matter of can we get him the ball so that he can kind of do more with it as well. And, you know, in his defense, this is kind of like last season too, where he's being asked to play different roles every week. Um, Cause he's, he can do it. He can, he can play anywhere really on the pitch. And so I think he's been, he's been tasked with different roles and I'm sure on, on Saturday night, whether, whatever the, the tactics were coming out of the game, he's probably thinking I have a 17 year old making my, his professional debut standing next to me. I need to make sure that I give him some cover early in the match, get him, get him comfortable. Um, and then to your point, Kyle, and uh, I think someone alluded to this earlier. I mean, that tackle in the first half on JC where the ref clearly points to it, says, I saw that play on and then doesn't come back hard. The player um, is baffling to me because either you don't think that was either you think JC dove or it wasn't that bad. And there's no need to play on. You're just, the game is just continuing, but to, to call it out and then to come back and basically tell JC, no, there was nothing in that. Um, you know, and then I, I, I texted during the game, maybe Neil, okay, you can explain this to me. Maybe I don't understand the rule, but when there's an injury on the pitch and the teams voluntarily kick the ball out of bounds, why are we having drop balls? <laughs> I know this is like, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of the game, but like if the referee hasn't blown the whistle to stop the game and I have kicked the ball out of bounds then just throw it back to my goalie. <laughs> like, that's, 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 I, I've known that rule since I was eight years old. Um, uh, for those of you watching on the simulcast, Kyle made a, thank the Lord, somebody brought this up point. And this is also the third week in a row where drop balls have, have become involved in the podcast. <laughs> and we, I, haven't I, talked I, about, we haven't talked about COVID yet. So uh, we can just well, make drop balls, the new COVID. There, there you go and, and ruin it, Dan. But it's the third week in a row that we, I mean, like, I've never seen this many drop balls. Did they, like, go to NHL ref camp in the offseason? <laughs> What's going on now? There, there, there just must be a new rule book out there for 2020 slash interesting season that we haven't read yet because there's been a lot of fun things happening from the poison blue or, or whatever color they wear and women. I... Yeah. I mean, I understand that there are some new rules. Like if the referee gets in the way, right. it's a drop ball. Now, like I understand there are, and there are no contested drop balls. I get all of that. But if a player kicks the ball out of bounds, it's the other team's throw-in. A throw-in <laughs> that, is still a throw-in. That rule hasn't changed. Work. That rule hasn't changed. So, yeah. Yep. Ugh. 
And there were three of them, I think, in that match. At the least players two. were questioning it. You could hear them. They're like, why are we taking drop ball? They didn't know what they were doing. They're like, who are you dropping it to? Who is this for? Right. It right. wasn't the same ref that has been notorious for drop balls in the Greenville match in last year's uh, first Richmond game. This was a different ref, so I don't know. At first, I was just saying maybe it's just a particular ref. But after Saturday, it's like, no, this is just a league-wide thing now that no one is aware of except – It could be something new. I just don't know. League-wide USL – Drop ball directive. The, the <laughs> announcer referred to him as a highly experienced USL championship referee. So I guess we'll have to, we'll have to trust him. We'll have to trust him. I heard trust that. Everything yeah. the commentators say. I, yeah. That cracked me up. Uh, you know, one of the things, though, I, I've been thinking about, too, um, and there was a piece on, on Twitter that I think I re- retweeted from our Twitter feed. Dan, what's our Twitter feed again? That'd be at forwards back two. Um, and talking about, you know, we talk a lot about midfielders in terms of like six, eight, ten. you know, they're deep lying or DCM, but you know, in, in some shape and form, like we look for certain midfielders to do particular jobs. Right. And I think one of the things that, that Joe, uh, JC does really well is as Kyle has identified that second run where maybe the, the, you know, the attacking center midfielder is already there. And then he provides, and I think he's also good enough that even if he's a little deeper lying, he can still be a, a, a playmaker in the midfield. Um, and that also brings up, um, you know, the, the subs that, that came on, uh, you know, Monus and Eaton came on for Cox and Rodriguez. And on this side of the podcast, we're huge. Uh, I'm a big Brandon Eaton fan. And uh, I've, it has been pointed out to me that his completion pat percentage in, in that match was about 63%. But one of the things that I think he does really well is he consistently provides an option and and moves off of the ball and in that that he he passes and then is available again. And one of the things that I think is is that's sort of a role. You might call it a recycler. You may call it a, a you know possession guy. Um, that is something that you know we're is missing. Um, yeah, I don't think he's as press resistant to use the German term as uh, Dan, your hero and idol, uh, Ginny Wijnaldum. But, you know, somebody who can keep the ball and the possession moving seems like something that, you know, that can receive it, make themselves available, move it. Seems like it's a little bit missing in, in the midfield because no matter where he's lined up, that just doesn't seem what JC does. This with Brandon Eaton, he seems, when he gets the ball, he does try and do stuff, which I can applaud and I can appreciate. Yes, that results in a lower passing percentage than maybe is ideal, but at least he's trying to put that ball out there. He's trying to, you know, do a dribble. It seems like he's always able to get the one or two dribbles he needs, but isn't able to either pass it out or to get a shot off. And I think there was, I don't know what minute, I want to say it was around the 80th where he was in the box. And he could have, and he got past one defender, but then he got in the box, but there wasn't really anywhere for him to pass it. And then he lost possession. It's one of those where, you want to hope that he could do more with it, but at the same time, you can only do so much if there's not if there's no outlet there. And while he tries to keep the ball moving, maybe he tries running a pass and it doesn't work, or he tries running at the defense. At, at least you can kind of see he's thinking, okay, I got to try and do something. And the urgent, I think the urgency he displays is appreciated, especially when he comes on as a sub. So I guess, and, and so to, to kind of turn that comment into a question as well is, 
um, who on this team can provide that, that ball recycling, ball control, keep, keep the possession going, getting it, you know, moving it around more. Um, you know, last week against Greenville, we didn't really have it. Um, you know, who, who are those guys? Is it, is it Rodriguez? I, I don't know. Uh, I guess I'm putting that out, out there, Dan and, and Neil. Yeah, I think Allen was definitely a guy who, I mean, I don't think you can compare Allen and Brandon Eaton because they're positionally very different um, unless you're citing playing Brandon Eaton as a six, which if you are, I think, I think Kyle makes a, a very uh, correct and interesting point in that Brandon does play with urgency and he tries to, tries to pull things off. And I think that was witnessed for sure in the Greenville game. Um, he helped us speed the play up and, and there's times where certain things don't come off because certain things are lower percentage and you're moving at a higher rate. Um, but it's, it's the balance between when you should be doing those things and when you should be doing other simple things. Um, Brandon Eaton can do both. Um, we expect him to, to do both. And that's kind of something we're missing in a, a 10 position this year, especially when JC has to drop. Um, but we, Brandon Eaton is a guy that can do that, and he just hasn't hasn't started a game yet this year. And we still have um, Mr. Mike Fang that will hopefully get on the park very soon. And I think everyone will be very impressed with that young man. Neil, a couple other questions. Thinking about the subs, um, first, any concern with the fact that I, has Woj now played ninety minutes all three matches? Um, so just your thoughts on that. Cause he looked, he looked pretty knackered in the Greenville game, looked a little better the other day. Um, but thoughts on that. Yeah. He's a, he's a pretty fit individual. He takes care of himself very well. So we know if he has to do it, he can do it. Um, it, it, it's, we know Paulo can kind of slot in as the nine, but at the same rate, Paulo's putting in tons of work on the wing. So it's like, if you take Woj off and move Paulo up, are you really getting anything different? Um, Monus is a guy who can kind of slip in there and be a guy who goes more in behind. Um, but we're looking at a few different things. And obviously we have a, a Friday, Wednesday, Sunday slate coming up. So there's going to be some squad rotation for sure. Um, we have a little bit of an older team, as everyone knows. So there's going to be different guys that start different games and different combinations that I don't think anyone's seen this year. Um, but yeah, Woj, he can probably tell us that he's going to play 90 minutes in every game, but that's where the, the coaches usually step in and taking a little break and coming off the bench sometimes can revitalize you for another two or three weeks and you'll be back flying high. And then um, any update on uh, Jalen Fiat Jeep Chrysler Chrysler? Yeah, Jalen's Jalen's moving well. Um, I don't, know if he will be available this weekend um but very okay. soon uh, is, very soon he'll be back and is Jiro's eye okay Jiro's eye is okay yes okay good to go he trained full in this morning no blurry double vision that he explained to me on the side when he said I can see two people I said I can see two people too but there's like 30 people out there so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I first saw him walk over to the sidelines, I thought he was, I assumed, I was like, oh, he must be bleeding and they want me to get right. cleaned up. But then as soon as he started doing this, I was like, oh, he, Dan did some excellent uh, demonstration for those of you watching on the, on the simulcast, uh, showed that, showed that off to us. 
Um, 57th minute, we, we uh, you know, Terzaghi, I think uh, Tobin made a great tackle on him. 63rd minute, you saw the, the Bolduc uh, post hit. Uh, and then in the 90th minute, corner kick uh, comes in. Fitzgerald drops it. It falls and cleaned off the line, bounces. Tobin has a header on it. It, it kind of spaces out. It goes out to – works out to smart – you know, spaces out. I think it was clearly not in the goal. There was no sort of controversy there. Um, just one of those, as you said earlier, Kyle, that y- if you get the breaks, that one goes in. And right now, a little bit, we're not getting the breaks. Yeah. And I'm trying to, was it Fernandez? I was on the, I think he was yeah. right there and he could have potentially had tapped it in. And I don't know if he thought he was offside. I don't know if he just didn't see it in time, but. And that was one of those where you kind of look in real time and you're just like, how did you not get that one? And then you rewatch and it's like, okay, maybe again, thought it was offside. Didn't well, see it in time. It was a mad dash. Everyone, I, I, I can understand where he could have been in a spot where he just didn't know and didn't have enough time to just blast it in. Cause I think if you, if you put a little bit more power in it, it gets through enough, but it, it is what it is. It's frustrating, but uh, yeah. I feel like there's not much you can do in real time. And I think he was definitely offside if he had touched yeah. it because there was only right. one defender between him and the goal at that point. And remember that the rule is two. It doesn't have to be the goalkeeper. Uh, that's a USL league rule that, you know, we could pass on. Granted, given what we've seen of the officiating, maybe he should have taken that chance. <laughs> there's no VAR to overturn it. So. Yeah. That that would have been so. Yeah, he was. You know, the the official said, "Well," or the the commentator said, "Well, he may have been. He was definitely offside. I think in that position. If he had touched it, probably would have come back." Uh, Dan, any any final thoughts on on what we saw? No, I think you know, like I said, um, better than last week. Um, I you know the concern now is just the the, the way the season is set up. Um, you know, the margin for error for finishing in the top two is, is really, really small. And so I think I may have tweeted or texted you two and said it's going to take a Herculean effort to finish in the top two. But I looked at the table today. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not undoable. Um, and, um, but it's, you know, it's going to mean like racking up some wins um, and probably only losing maybe one two more matches the rest of the season. Actually, the announcer, I thought, did a pretty good job of saying, if you look at last season and take, uh, you know, kind of how many, how many losses teams had after 14 matches, the top two each had, I think it was two losses and three losses. So that gives you some barometer around where you might be, maybe four losses tops. Um, So, you know, that's my only concern. And then, you know, I, I was also texting with someone else about like, and you know, Neil, you can cover your ears, but you know, how much, you know, the season is so weird. Like how much do you kind of put in, you know, of course we want to finish in the top two and I'm not already saying we're not going to, but like this season has just been so bizarre and so weird. Um, I mean, the team's having to travel to practice, to play home matches. Um, so I think, you know, we should give them a little bit of, the benefit of the doubt that this has been an incredibly bizarre and unusual season. So we shouldn't um, start the Hlavati out hashtag on Twitter. Yet? <laughs> I am not. I am not. Okay. Um, well, this is kinder, kinder, gentler, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so anyway, that, you know, I'm just hoping for a better performance. Keep, keep progressing. Hopefully we get to see the Vang train, uh, on, uh, uh, this weekend. Um, that would be very, very exciting for, for Keith and I. <clears throat> so well, Keith did remind me, I said, we've been putting a lot of stock in this kid who we haven't seen play. And the truth is we actually did see him play in an intra-squad scrimmage. So we are fully aware of his potential against I mean, it's, Carl it's, Schneider. It's distinctly possible that he turns into the Midwestern equivalent of Lazar Markovic. I mean, that is distinctly <laughs> possible. But I am going to ride the Vang Trang for as far as I can uh, and as long as I can uh, because I think with him and, him and uh, JC in the med- middle, we've got uh, two really modern 8-10 hybrids. And it's going to be like De Bruyne and Silva. That's have, that's what have I'm, we have we confirmed whether the train that goes through Hart Park is the Vang train? That is that is definitely not the Vang train. That is <laughs> it's like the Sunset Limited. That's that that's the Vang train does not make stops in Columbus, Wauwatosa, Waukesha. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of another, another term, Watertown. Uh, the Vang Trang is stopping in Madison, and from there, it's going to, like, Barcelona and Real Madrid. That's, that's the, the, the Vang Trang. It doesn't go to Minot, North Dakota? I, I don't think so. It doesn't <laughs> stop in Minot. It, it may not. Uh, it so, may not stop in Minot. <laughs> uh, normally, we would drive into Madison with Neil point. <laughs> Uh, but you know, Neil can't leave the house, so there's nothing really to dive into. We could cover Neil's golf game, but that would be even more boring than, than our normal segments. What I did want to dive into is Kyle, do you have to physically mail off the Henny Derby trophy now? And what kind of packaging is going into that? Because I'm all about logistics. So this must be easier to ship than a full bottle of Henny, I would think. Yes, it is easier to ship than a full bottle of Henny, but it is more frustrating. I've not shipped it yet. I'm planning on doing it either Tuesday or Wednesday. I just need an excuse to leave the house to do it. Um, I had said, I didn't say when I was going to ship it to Elliot. I said, you will get the Henny bottle. It might be next week. might be in December. I don't know. Depending <laughs> on how Henny I want to be. But it will most likely go through UPS just because I know if I go through the Postal Service, it makes it. And I joked with Chris in April when the match ended, if how the Henny bottle gets to Virginia is out of my control once I drop it off. If the baseball's <laughs> off again, not my problem. If you, How it gets there, I don't know. It will get there. I just don't know when. I don't know how. And I might just be a little upset about it. Well, uh, apparently, Dan, they should maybe use the same uh, UPS routing that the company store did in delivering your sheets. Yep. I ordered some sheets from Virginia, and they went to Illinois, Nevada, and Utah. And now they've been in transit for three days. So uh, call, call up Dan. He can help you with the shipping tips. Uh, Neil, as a Poshmark professional, do you have any shipping tips for, for Kyle? Um, leave little notes inside the box. They always appreciate that five-star service automatically returns to you. What goes around comes around. Um, but packaging envelopes are actually very useful to not pack things in, but use as padding inside of it, a box. And they're free from the U S postal service. 
That is right. a that is a Poshmark professional providing you with that gui- guidance. Neil, if people want to shop for old sneakers and Manchester United gear, where can they do that? They can do that at Mustache Thrift. You can find me on Instagram at Mustache Thrift. And uh, there's the page hasn't been updated in a while, but make me an offer, and I'll pretty much say yes to anything. Uh, Neil, I've got a I've got a good anecdote. I sold a uh, projector. Oh, we need uh, one. I sold it. <laughs> Too late. Listen, listen, listen to how clever I am. I put it on eBay, sure. and then I copied the link and put it on the local Craigslist and said, selling this thing on eBay, buy it there. Next day, guy came right to my door, handed him the thing. You're hitting multiple fronts. That's what the resale game is all about. Multiple platforms. And I emailed you, I emailed you with some, some items you never got back to me. Oh, women's shoes? Not a very nice <laughs> it was women's shoes. They're very nice, though. They, you actually can probably get a pretty penny for some of those. For two uh, of yeah, nobody on nobody on eBay wanted them. Try Craigslist. I thought my I thought my women's shoe fetish would come in way more handy. <laughs> We're not here to kink shame, Dan. Uh, <laughs> on that note, until next time, we say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. Sure, to remind yourself to text Neil. Jesus, I'm, I'm dealing. I'm just. I'm just. You know what? We're gonna have no co-hosts next week. And it's just gonna be me. How how you like them apples? <laughs>